Hey folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800 200 G-O-L-D, gold. That's 800-200-GOLD. And find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. gold Or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family. Welcome to John Solomon Reports. I'm Amanda Head filling in for John today. He's out this week, so I have the immense honor and pleasure of being here with all y'all on this fine Thursday. We've got a great show planned today. In just a few minutes, we're going to kick things off with an interview that John conducted with Tristan Leavitt, who is the president of Empower Oversight. Um, If it weren't for this organization, we might not have ever learned the valuable information that was brought forth by those two IRS whistleblowers, um, Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler. Then after that exclusive, we're going to have Congressman Eric Burleson from the great state of Missouri. We're going to talk to him about all things Mayorkas impeachment, which he called for just days after he took office last year. And since he sits on the oversight committee, of course, I can't let him go without getting some insider information about What's to come on those two blockbuster depositions? Hunter Biden is going to be on February 28th and then James Biden, Joe's brother, on February 21st. So we're going to take a quick listen to one of our sponsors and then we'll be back with you on the other side. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now, get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, 
Thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Welcome back from the commercial break. Before we get into John's interview with Tristan Leavitt, how about a little cultural news? If you've been keeping up with the ongoing saga of Alec Baldwin, you know that the initial charges against him last year were dropped by special prosecutors in the case, uh, Carrie Morrissey and Jason Lewis. And then after a grand jury was impaneled, charges were refiled against the actor in the 2021 fatal shooting of his cinema cinematographer, Helena Hutchins, on the set of his movie Rust in New Mexico. Now, Baldwin has pleaded not guilty to the manslaughter charge against him, and he has demanded repeatedly a speedy trial. Now, we all know that the wheels of justice tend to turn slowly, so we'll see if that demand is met. All right. In some Donald Trump legal news, we could see a decision in his New York civil fraud case by next week. This is the case that is essentially the bargain Letitia James struck with voters to get elected, or I guess more appropriately, the pledge that she made to potential voters. Back in 2018, she campaigned for her position as New York attorney general, vowing to pursue pretty much any legal avenue, uh, any lawsuit against the former president. So she is seeking the Utterly exorbitant amount of at least $370 million, alleging that he manipulated the value of his assets to secure favorable loans and lower insurance premiums. It was a bench trial, which means that all the responsibility, all the power that's placed in the lap of the New York Supreme Court Justice Arthur Angeron. Among many of the questionable accusations by the state of New York's top lawyer, you might remember a Deutsche Bank executive told the court back in December that actually it's not unusual at all for loan clients to overstate their net, net worth and that the bank does its own due diligence in determining eligibility for loans. Now, a separate executive testified that the bank had, in fact, benefited from the business relationship with Donald Trump and that they had wanted that relationship to continue, actually. So legally, this this would have destroyed any other prosecutor's case, seeing as there was no victim in the case. No one was harmed by his alleged overstatements of worth. But we are talking about Democrat New York Attorney General Tish James and Republican past and possibly future President Donald Trump. So conventional legal standards do not apply. And to make it even more extraordinary, by the way, this is the first case ever brought in New York in which a borrower, Donald Trump, is being sued for fraud when no one is actually claiming harm or fraud. Now, many analysts have posited that this is an attempt to drain Donald Trump of his campaign resources. But a bit of good news for the former president and a very stark contrast to the foreign policy turmoil of this current administration. New York Congresswoman Claudia Tenney said in a statement that she has decided to nominate Donald Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize for his role in the Abraham Accord Treaty, which formally normalized relations between the UAE and Bahrain and Israel. So he's been nominated before, but he's not one. And on the congressional side of things, last night, the House of Representatives approved a $78 billion tax relief bill called the Tax Relief for American Families and Workers Act of 2024. It was approved in a 357 to 70 vote under suspension of the rules. Now, it faces uncertain prospects in the Senate as many of you probably know, under suspension of the rules, a bill carries a two-thirds threshold, which means that, unfortunately, in this case, more than enough Democrats crossed over to help out the Republicans in passing this uh, bipartisan bill. Now, conservatives are concerned about how much money it will actually cost the American people. One of the most concerning elements of this bill is the fact that it expands the child tax tax credit to $3,600 per child from the current $2,000 per child. And what's further alarming is the fact that uh, illegals are going to be able to claim that child tax, tax credit. So that's going to be a huge burden. The final price tag could end up being in the trillions. It's reportedly being funded by lifting the employee retention credit from during the COVID era. But I'm pretty doubtful that that's going to be sufficient enough to pay uh, to pay for this. All right. I've got a bit of an update for you all from some of the comments that Joe Maiden to that Joe Biden made to the press the other day. If you remember, he answered a reporter who was asking about the southern border crisis and he said, 
You know, I've done all I can do. Just give me the power. I've asked since the day I got in office, give me the border patrol, give me the judges, blah, 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 blah. Now, this was on Tuesday when he said this, and I talked about it on the TV show with our guests since he's bringing up what he has asked since the day he got into office on day one. Joe Biden didn't seem to question his authority when with the stroke of a pen, he destroyed any border security that was fortified under Donald Trump. He wiped out the remain in Mexico. He wiped out the zero tolerance policy. He halted construction on the border wall. And by the way, those construction materials sitting at the border, those were already paid for. They're just sitting on the border rotting. The labor was also already paid for. Joe didn't have to do anything at all. He all he had to do was not do anything and let it happen. But he just couldn't help himself. He stepped in and he actually actively worked against our country's security in these matters over and over again. We've seen uh, Joe Biden strip away the power and hamstring hamstring anyone who has any ability to protect Americans and our nation's sovereignty, sovereignty, Border Patrol. We're seeing that now with uh, with states, National Guards. Uh, But since Joe Biden claimed that he's done everything in his power and can't do anything else to protect our border, apparently Democrats, uh, they they felt the need to clarify on that. Congressman Lou Correa, he's a representative from out here in California. He told Just the News that, in fact, there are some things that Joe Biden can do. He also indicated that if the Senate passes the bipartisan border deal, he's hoping that the House will get a chance to vote on it. But that, that, that that's not the point. If Joe Biden felt at liberty to destroy our border with the stroke of a pen on his first day in office, he can do something to help fix it with the stroke of a pen. And we've had many guests on the show who have talked about this Senate border deal and how, uh, frankly, it's pure trash. It's a dumpster fire for border security. It allows 5,000 migrants into the U.S. per day. To put that in perspective, Obama's DHS guy, Jay Johnson, balked at the idea of 1,000 illegal immigrants per day. He said that was a bad day. We are now up to 10 to 12,000 per day. So I guess, yeah, 5,000 is better than 12,000, but 5,000 is still 5,000 too many. 300,000 illegals encountered at the border in December. 19 people arrested on the terror watch list in December. 8.3 million illegals since Biden took office. 1.7 million gotaways, 172 total on the terror watch list. In 2023, CBP sees more than 27,000 pounds of fentanyl. That's an 800% increase since 2019 when Donald Trump was in office. These numbers are unacceptable, and that is why immigration is now the number one issue on the minds of voters. So, all right, enough of that news out of the way. Let's throw John the microphone and let him take over with his exclusive interview with Empower Oversight President Tristan Levitt. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. 
You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Over the last year, I think you've probably heard the name Empower Oversight scores, if not hundreds of times, but between this show and Just the News and CBS News and many of the other news organizations around the country. Why? Because it's become one of the most impactful whistleblower centers in America. Whistleblowers play an essential role in highlighting wrongdoing, stopping abuses in government, whether it's Russia collusion, which involves uh, whistleblowers, or the Hunter Biden case, or just plain old-fashioned waste, fraud, and abuse that it goes on in our government day in and day. Well, I want to bring us all up to speed because Empower Oversight is from the Hunter Biden case to the VA has enormous important cases pending in the American public where the taxpayer, the American voter, is being protected because a brave whistleblower has come out and highlighted wrongdoing. And so we're going to be joined right now by the president of Empower Oversight, Tristan Levitt, my good friend. Tristan, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me, John. Always great to be with you. I can't tell you the number of times I open up something on Just the News and there's a new development, a new effort to protect a whistleblower or to take the allegations of a whistleblower and get it to the public so that we can fix things that ail our government. There was one this past week that I want to get a little bit more attention on because it is one of the examples of retribution that's been going on. The great FBI whistleblower, Marcus Allen, who did nothing but raise his voice to follow a process in the FBI to raise some concerns. Man's been without a paycheck ever since. Tell us a little bit about the latest development on Marcus Allen. Absolutely. We have filed something additional, but I think the best way to think about the Marcus Allen case is that there really have not been any late developments because it's been two years since they suspended him without pay and they're just yanking him along. So we we filed multiple things and I'll get into that, but the box that they put you in in the FBI is that they they started by, um, I guess, just to give the background on his disclosures, right? In, in fall of 2021, the New York Times reported that uh, there had been FBI informants present on January 6th at the Capitol and that they were texting their FBI handlers in real time. And that really went contrary to the testimony that Director Christopher Wray had provided before the Senate just weeks after January 6th. And so Marcus Allen, uh, an intel analyst uh, in North Carolina, seeing this news come out, and having the situational awareness he does about FBI protocols and working with confidential informants, he raised to his coworkers there this new uh, reporting and that they needed uh, as an office, just because they, of course, like others, they had had uh, January 6th referrals farmed out um, from FBI headquarters, which was an extremely unusual way for them to conduct those investigations. But he's saying, hey, look, we need to be slightly careful here because it's becoming clear that Director Ray wasn't, you know, didn't share the full context of this with Congress. And it's clear that the FBI did have assets there in place. And so that immediately triggered um, retribution within the FBI. Ironically, he had the very day that he made this disclosure to his supervisors and coworkers, he had just been approved. Uh, you know, there's periodic reinvestigations you have to have for your security clearance. Well, he had literally just gone through. They just said, everything is great. He's cleared for his top secret security clearance. We recommend that it be renewed. And instead, literally after, right after, the day after that had happened, um, his chain of command started, started kicking him around. And so uh, it was early the next year in 2022 that they suspended him and proposed removing his clearance. And the box that the FBI builds here is if they take away your clearance rather than saying, you know, most, most FBI agents, there's all kinds of different crimes they're looking at. Um, they, you know, not every FBI employee needs to have a security clearance. There's a possibility that they, you know, there are matters that if they get assigned to, they might need it for, but there's work he could have done without a clearance. They didn't assign him to that. Instead, they decided to suspend his security clearance. And in the meantime, they took away his pay. When he had ideas for other work outside, 
he has to get approval from the FBI. Even though he's not working, he's not an FBI employee in any functional sense because he's not doing any work, he's not receiving any pay. And so even after a year and a half, they were still denying those. And so this latest filing from last week um, was was to, to get more into more detail on these additional um, actions because we had filed last year around the time that he and I testified before the weaponization subcommittee of Jim Jordan's. We had um, testified there and and filed about his his security clearance being taken away in retaliation. But this new thing hones in on how these other decisions the FBI made that aren't security clearance decisions, they're just personnel decisions, whether or not someone receives pay while they're under um, this consideration, um, how the FBI approaches that, those are further steps that we believe were retaliatory for them to treat him in this way. Very, very important. Yeah, it's, it's just remarkable. Uh, there's been, I've covered FBI whistleblowers since the early 90s, the FBI lab. I did a lot of work on that in the 90s. And uh, the FBI has found a hundred creative ways to punish uh, whistleblowers uh, and to torment them when they don't uh, follow the narrative that the FBI wants. And this seems to be the latest version of it. And we've seen it with it. Marcus Allen is obviously your client, but this has gone on. I think I know of at least a half dozen FBI agents that have had similar actions done after they started to blow the whistle. So this seems to be an emerging pattern, right, Tristan? Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, the biggest the biggest new pattern has been the use of clearances, um, you know, but it is interesting because you go back and of course, I, I cut my teeth working for Senator Grassley, who, who helped break the FBI uh, crime lab's um, story with Fred Whitehurst, right, and and worked so hard over the 90s to try and get that improved. And so when I started in his office, um, you know, a big focus for us was, okay, we've gotten through this. There were still some different whistleblowers like Jane Turner and others that had been long retaliated against, but FBI employees were treated differently under the law from all other federal employees. And so a big push that we started um, when I handled whistleblower policy for Senator Grassley was to get them covered and protected. And we finally did that in 2016 where they could, a law was passed where they could make disclosures to their supervisors. And, and then as a follow-up from that, just in the last, uh, about a year ago, an additional change so that they can appeal to my old agency, the Merit Systems Protection Board, um, where I was confirmed by the Senate to serve as a judge on that board. And so now that this is in place, we have both, you know, the pattern that we're seeing of all these FBI whistleblowers who've had their clearances yanked in retaliation, but there's finally a pathway also that they can appeal other other actions that were taken in retaliation that before they really didn't have a path for other than to, you know, the IG can go and complain to the agency, but the IG can't, the inspector general can't force the FBI to take any action. Now with appeal to the, to the MSPB, there could be actual, you know, action, corrective action that the FBI is forced to do in some of these cases. Really, really important stuff. And um, I think the beginning of a new era of, uh, Americans having to speak up and back these whistleblowers. We can't allow this to become systemic because it will chill every future whistleblower. They'll think twice, like, my next paycheck may be gone if um, uh, if uh, I, I dare tell the truth about something. Uh, there's another fun uh, thing, and again, it's a reminder of how often uh, whistleblowers and inspector generals can often um, – uh, provide uh, really valuable alliances that get even more truth out. So the whistleblower knows something. The IG has the ability to get the rest of the documents of what the whistleblower may not know and do that. One of these is a pretty remarkable example from the Defense Department Inspector General. It revealed that a little-known in-house pharmacy at the White House, the White House has its own pharmacy, not surprising, it has its own bowling alley. Why not right, have a pharmacy? Uh, doled out prescription and medications to staff. Um, another great example just of how a whistleblower and an IG working together can really expose wrongdoing. The inspector generals are a very important part of this ecosystem of protecting the American people, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you've got to protect those interactions with inspectors general. They are so, so important because Congress cannot be everywhere at once. And that's why they created inspectors general, so that they can do a lot of that work and help highlight where the problems are. And then again, once that happens, and, and IGs are relying on their sources being protected also, which is, again, a further reason there's more to do on the FBI whistleblower protections, and I hope that Congress will look at that. Um, but yeah, without, without these protections and without IGs and others uh, like Congress, 
working with whistleblowers, this stuff would never get out there, right? It would just be deep, deep sixed. You would never hear about many of these problems in the government. And people, it's part of why people have a very, very difficult time trusting the government right now, especially the federal government. Yeah, no, it's so, so very important that we uh, get to that point of trust again. I think uh, there's such a distrust of so many of the institutions that we used to have great trust in, the FBI being one of them. And uh, uh, many of our uh, federal agencies seem to have lost the, the the trust of the American people. And that's really dangerous long-term in a long-term in a constitutional uh, republic. Um, there has to be some satisfaction, but also some trepidation in all that um, the IRS whistleblowers have uh, been able to get to the American public, every aspect of their story, from Kevin Morris this week to uh, the cover-up in the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office, all been validated now by witnesses, documents, congressional investigations. How um, important is it that the American uh, people see the Justice Department's uh, manipulation of the Hunter Biden case? Because it's gone two ways. Right? First, it was cover-up. Now it's flipping the other way. A sort of a, a after the fact, but none of that occurs if it isn't for uh, Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler, right? Nah, we would not be where we are today were it not for their important work. That's absolutely right. If 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 it were not for them, um, you would. I mean, it, it's funny because you can track a lot of things, right? I, I will say it's not clear. It's it's not clear that the government would have offered them an initial immunity agreement. It seems they would have just sat on it forever, right? Maybe they would have eventually, but they offered that immunity agreement to Hunter Biden immediately as soon as the whistleblowers um, allegations started to be out there. And and so they gave, they gave away the farm initially and even had to walk that back to then the immunity agreement the public saw. But none of these things would have happened were it not for these whistleblowers. Um, and and I think it is really important that we still, you know, I think some, of course, whatever happens will happen in Hunter Biden's specific case. And that's not been the whistleblowers goal. They were assigned to it before. They're not assigned to it now. They're taken off in retaliation. But it's really not about what what happens to him necessarily, right? What what penalty there is, whatever else. It's about the fact that the Justice Department knew what the right course was based on the investigators, as they do in every other case. And the Justice Department was ready to pursue that course and did pursue that course until um, it, it, you know, it got scared off by political appointees in the Biden administration from going after the president's son. And so that's that's the reversal there that is just your average American looks at that. And again, already with the distrust of government and says, why on earth would they, you know, put on the white gloves and, and treat him so with those kid gloves, you know, when he evaded taxes and not just evaded them, but as you can see from the filings out there, lied about it and really misrepresented all these things like his Burisma income or all the things that he was doing, um, you know, uh, that he charged as, as tax write-offs like prostitutes and, and other things. So the American people have a good sense and a good nose for this kind of thing. Now that all of the facts are out there, I think a lot of people can see what a farce this was to, to give him a free pass initially. And, um, and now we'll, but I, but I think it's still worth getting to the bottom of how, how it was the DOJ decided to pull, pull those punches to begin with. Yeah, no, it's so extraordinarily uh, true. And, um, the, the moment of of a clarity for the American public, you could see the polls changing, and you know polls are snapshots in time and they always aren't always predictive of long term behavior. But uh, two years ago, three years ago, Americans thought the Joe Biden uh, narrative was a false narrative, a Russian plant, and today, nearly every aspect of the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden scandal is accepted by the American public by a large majority, 60, 70 percent now think there was something untoward that went on. That's a remarkable flip. And it, it's all been driven by something I find so fascinating. The counter narrative, which turns out to be the true narrative, was just driven by facts. There's no spin. There's no fake letters from 51 intelligence agents. It's the evidence that Gary and Joe found and the evidence that Congress turned up and the evidence we got under FOIA. Uh, and the American people, despite a blockade in some of the mainstream media, they now know much more about their president and his son and their foreign dealings than they did before. Is it um, when you look at this and you think about how much the narrative has changed just since you got involved in it and certainly since 2019, uh, is there what what do you take from it that the American people can absorb and understand the, the real concerns, even if the mainstream media aren't covering on a daily basis. 
Well, we were fed a lot of lies, right? And so going back to these intelligence officials, I mean, again, it was these IRS whistleblowers, uh, Gary Shapley and Joe Ziegler, who who were the first really official confirmation that the FBI knew a year before the 2020 election that the Hunter Biden laptop was was real, right? And that they and it's been kind of a dribble. First they said it. First they, that they, that news came out about them validating that, and then there was pushback, and now finally it's it's come out fully that, you know, the IRS was able to, or the IRS and the FBI were able to validate from backups in the, in, in the Apple iCloud and other places. Right. So it wasn't just that they said, Oh, this, this looks right. And seems like it's probably right. They literally compared it to other backups of the data and said, yes, this is not, this isn't just his laptop. This is the data that was on there. It hasn't been manipulated. It wasn't fabricated or anything else. And so for those 51 intelligence officials to not come out and accept responsibility, not that anyone realistically thinks they would do that, but to see, you know, Jim Clapper, I guess maybe a couple months ago, come and say, oh, I'd do it all over again, I think just really highlights what a team sport politics has become. And, and it's so, so unfortunate that people ignore the facts in favor of their own preferred narratives. So, so you have, you know, big picture. I think that's the problem is you, you know, people, people have been lied to, and there needs to be accountability for that. The biggest thing to me also is that there, there are some real huge ethical issues here, and you know, people can. I one of the things that I really appreciate about um, Peter Schweitzer um, and and some of the the books that he's put out is he covers that both sides do this, and you have as well, John. And so, but to recognize that. This isn't this isn't what aboutism, right? This isn't you know I'm not saying there aren't other ethical issues here, but but you can't excuse this conduct by not just Hunter Biden, but again you look at how Joe Biden, whether he received a five million bribe or not from Burisma, clearly should have recused himself from any interactions with Ukraine back at the time that this all of this shady Burisma business went about. The only reason that Hunter Biden was able to do all the things that he did was because his father enabled it, and. That, I think, is what the American people need to understand most of all. Yeah, no, they do. And and you're right. It is systemic in this town. You see uh, the adult children of politicians uh, uh, cashing in constantly. And it's a backdoor way now to try to influence a political leader. And uh, it's bad no matter what party does it. It needs to be exposed, rooted out, and ended. One of the things that grows from this, and you talked about we were misled in so many ways, and clearly one of the ways we were misled was uh, the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation until, well, it wasn't because it never was. Uh, but there was another uh, lie, and uh, really Joe Ziegler played a very important role in exposing this as did just the news because we got some very important documents. But we were told by the Biden White House after Joe took place, took office, don't worry about the art deals. We've got an ethics deal in place and uh, we're blinded. And uh, therefore, no one will know who the buyers are. So there can't be influence. And now that came crashing down with Kevin Morris's deposition and some stuff that we reported before the deposition. Uh, Dr. Biden, first off, the art dealer said there was no uh, ethics deal in place. But more importantly, he said Hunter Biden's original agreement required to know the identities. He ha- he wanted to know um, how how dangerous is it for a White House to falsely assure the American people there's an ethics agreement that isn't there. So does it compound the problem of trust when that happens? Well, when you start from such a trust deficit, I don't know how much there is to compound. <laughs> Good point. Yes. I mean, but but again, it's just I I just you know you can't you can't make this stuff up, right? And so I think that's part of it, is this whole image that's been constructed because there were questions about these kinds of things early on when Joe Biden announced his candidacy, right? And then and and apparently you know there was behind the scenes um, discussion reportedly, right? And so the New Yorker does this kind of profile piece of Hunter, and so again from very early on you heard this kind of. Well, is Hunter going to get in the way of of his father's presidential ambitions? And then it's kind of addressed in these kind of friendly pieces, et cetera. But and so, again, it wasn't like this White House and this president came in, you know, not knowing that this was a concern or something that that they could have, regardless of what happened to prior to January 20th, 2021. They could have approached it in such a way. Right. Even if you wrote off everything before then and said, he said, boy, we really screwed that up in the past, but let's just try and be let's just try and be ethical about this moving forward. But instead, for them to make this up and all through that summer to claim that there were these these, um, you know, blind 
transactions that he wouldn't know. I mean, it's just pulled out of thin air. They just literally said what was politically expedient and convenient for them. And so I, to me, it just really raises a lot of disgust about the state of politics today. And and again, I think people in the White House have a lot to answer for. Yeah, no, they do. And and uh, it's just wrong to use government resources to mislead us all. They have an obligation. Listen, they don't have to tell us there's an ethics agreement, but if they do, they have an obligation to t- make sure that that's accurate. And it clearly wasn't the, the case at the time it was uttered to us. And uh, that's a misuse of uh, of our, our resources. I want to turn to another area where you've had some really uh, uh, impressive impact, and it's uh, at the Veterans Administration, where we have a moral obligation in this country to protect and care for those who cared for us on the front lines of war and on the front lines of security. Um, you had a new video you put out uh, recently. Tell us a little bit about why that video and other evidence that your whistleblowers have produced is so disturbing. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the agencies that I, I worked at before is the U.S. Office of Special Counsel, not the Mueller Special Counsel, right? And I guess there's a lot of special counsels now, but it's the agency that deals with whistleblowers. And when I was on Capitol Hill, one of the biggest, um, you know, care scandals that we saw came as a result of the Office of Special Counsel uh, working through whistleblowers to reveal that many, many veterans had, were receiving unacceptable care because they they were having to wait forever and VA facilities were lying about this and were papering it over to make their statistics look better. And so veterans were dying, literally, because they weren't getting the care in the time that they needed it. And so eventually, one of the, one of the corrections to that that came about was a law um, that was called the VA Mission Act, passed in 2018. And the basic intent of that law with the Veterans Community Care Program was to say, look, if you're going to have to travel more than a particular distance in order to receive care from a VA facility, that, that doesn't make sense. That's not how we reward those who put their lives on the line for our nation. And so we are instead going to help coordinate receiving care just in your local community. So you don't have to drive four hours just to go to a VA hospital. You can get it locally. Or if the wait times are going to be such that they can't see you and treat this issue within a certain period of time, uh, it's generally between 20 and 30 days, depending on the, the issue um, in question, then uh, we're, again, the VA is obligated by law now to coordinate you receiving just local care. And again, this is so important for our veterans who have served our nation. Well, they're, you know, the VA, um, we have learned now because of this town hall that took place this last summer, uh, there's an undersecretary of health, and he told VA employees, this is an internal town hall, and he said to them in this August 2023 town hall that they needed to try and reduce the reliance on community care. He said, we need to press the easy button less with community care and, you know, really talked about how to reduce reduce that. And he used these phrases, which to those familiar with the law, they were really appalled, including those within the VA who have this whole responsibility to schedule the community care when they're being told, like, you know, at the same time within every network, we need to offer every single VA option that we can to veterans before we default to the community well, that's not in their their discretion. The law has already determined when they need to, quote, default to the community. And so this was really, really uh, disheartening because it just shows the VA has not learned the lessons of the past decade. It shows that they are not prioritizing care for veterans. Of course, this, this came out kind of contemporaneous with us learning that the VA is using its medical processing, the same uh payment processing system they used to pay uh, community care, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement has contracted with them to pay community care centers for the care of illegal immigrants. So they're discouraging veterans from receiving these sorts of services, but ICE is using our tax dollars to provide them for illegal immigrants. And so this video, I really think just was significant because, again, it's it's this undersecretary's own words, his own face. Um, we did get it from a source. You can see it's kind of a little bit grainy, but as they recorded it, right, they didn't have a professional recording system, but you can see that it's out there. And when and when the, the secretary was asked about it, um, he, he really sidestepped it, right? Uh, McDonough just kind of said, well, you know, I think I want to see the whole transcript and I'm not I'm not sure that what what uh, this undersecretary said has been properly reported. And so that's why we released the video. So the American public can see for themselves exactly what the transcript is and exactly what this Undersecretary said about undermining Congress's uh, law and plan put in place to help our veterans. Yeah, so so very important. Um, 
there is a little personal thing that happened in the last week or so about your own family and uh, a great education program that is taking root in West Virginia, a, a form of school choice that I think is really gaining popularity. I think the program's called Hope. Uh, your family shows up in a video. Tell us that story. It's a, it's a really great uh, story. And I saw it on social media. It was being shared all over the country. Um, a little cameo for your whole family in this. Tell us what was going on. Yeah, sure. So we have five children. And uh, of course, I love them to test. It's a busy household, but the oldest is 16. The youngest is six. How do you have time for whistleblowers with all that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like anyone, you got to balance family and work and all the things going on. But they're the best thing in my life. So, but we discovered when my um, second to youngest daughter was very young, she had speech delays. And, and without getting the whole history, there was kind of one, one problem after another. We, we were sent to one doctor and one specialist. And eventually we finally figured out she was diagnosed with dyslexia as well as um, uh, dysgraphia. And also, in addition to, you know, executive function order and, and pretty severe ADHD, she has something called expressive receptive communication disorder. So when she hears things, her brain stores them in a different place and, and doesn't always recall them. And so... Um, this was a big, a big discovery for us because along the way, she had a really hard time recognizing how she wasn't keeping up with her peers. And so we had a period of time a few years ago while I was uh, at the Mayor's Systems Protection Board, and dang it, I get emotional whenever I think about it, because there was a period of time when she would come home crying. She would refuse to go to school. It was just such a battle because she she knew that her, she just could tell that she wasn't cutting it right that she she felt stupid as she would say um in her classroom because clearly she was so far behind her peers and she she couldn't she just could not learn how to read and so once we got the dyslexia diagnosis a big question in us moving here to west virginia which we felt really called to do we love it here my wife is from west virginia we have deep deep roots here but honestly our number one question in making the decision on whether to move was what we would do for our daughter mckinley who goes by mac so would we be would we be, you know, hurting Mac if we were to move her um, somewhere where we didn't know what the educational options would be? And so we came to a public school here, which was was so great. They did everything they could for her, but it wasn't quite enough of what she needed. So we were trying to seek outside solutions. And what we discovered was that a local private school um, had the dyslexia tutoring she would need. And we, I had known this from tracking. I've tracked West Virginia politics for a long time. That the state of West Virginia. Um, in 2021 had passed a law that took the state dollars that were allocated per student. Uh, they don't, they can't do anything with the federal money, but they could, could take the state money that's allocated to each student and make that available as a grant for parents to either use in homeschooling, in a micro-schooling situation, or, or another private school. And so we were able to enroll our daughter in this private school where she has just flourished. And she is now, she's still slower with reading. She's progressing with those tools that you need for dyslexia, but she now really enjoys reading and she asks for those opportunities and so it's just been such a journey for us, but we are so grateful for that program for educational freedom and school choice and, and really for these kinds of, you know, freedom promoting policies in West Virginia that can really help families flourish and prosper. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a great story. And um, Mac gives all of us a uh, inspiration because I think there are many parents, I'm, I'm a father of a special need child and uh, parents struggle all the time to say, is there a way to fix this? And, and sometimes it feels like the cookie cutter system dictates your options and it doesn't. There are all these extraordinary um, options that are now available to people. And I think that that's a really great um, uh, thing, but they need to know about it. They need to, parents need hope. I think it's easy to sometimes get demoralized and think we can't fix this. The system doesn't let us fix it. And your family has inspired, I think, a whole uh, group of American parents that, hey, there are options here. Be creative and look what you can do. And I think sharing that story was uh, was so powerful for probably parents you'll never meet, but you'll have touched their life anyways, which is such a great tribute to you and your, your wonderful family. Thank you so much. That really means a lot. It was emotional for us to share, frankly. So it was, but we hoped that it would be able to help other people. So we're glad we did it. It, it is. It will help. Yeah, people you'll never meet uh, will have been inspired and found a solution that they otherwise might not have looked for. And I think that's a, such a great um, part of, of all the great work you do, Tristan, whether you're in Congress on the Merit uh, Protection Service Board, uh, Merit Service Protection Board, or uh, all the other places, the Office of Special Counsel, all the great places you've worked now, the Empower Whistleblower Center. You, uh, you and your family keep serving this country in so many ways. Thanks for a great update. Lots of important whistleblower cases, and we'll be watching and covering them here at Just the News. But uh, always a great honor to have you on the show, Tristan. 
Thank you so much, my friend. What an incredible conversation between two great Americans, folks. We are going to take a quick commercial break. And when I come back, I'll be here with Missouri Congressman Eric Burleson. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Welcome back from the commercial break. Our next guest is someone who is one of the newest and yet the fiercest freedom fighting America first conservatives in Congress right now. He served the good people of Missouri as a state senator before coming to Congress. He's on the House Oversight Committee, which means that we can talk to him about all things Biden, among other things. He's also a member of the Freedom Caucus. He was an investment advisor, which is why he has a unique perspective on a lot of the financial allegations and suspicious foreign business activities of the Biden family. He is Congressman Eric Burleson of Missouri's 7th Congressional District, and he joins us now. Welcome, Congressman. Thank you, Amanda. Sir, I just want to give our audience a a timetable of your activity up on Capitol Hill, because it's pretty impressive. Uh, You came into office about a year ago. You you took the oath of office in January. And not long after that, you were already filing articles of impeachment against Secretary Mayorkas. Uh, I know that this was probably something that you campaigned on. So it's a promise made and a promise kept. But I know you've got to be happy to see the process and the progress of what's happening with respect to that. Yeah, I, I wish we could have gotten to this point six, nine months ago, but we're, we're here at yeah. least, um, the, and it's well-deserved. I mean, this, this is an individual that for the last three and a half years has, has completely shirked the law. The, it, it, the law requires that he have operational control of the border, and he, instead of trying to do that, he is, he's willfully... Um, violated not only that law, but he is he is working to really undermine and make and and fast track individuals into the United States. And so uh, we we we've tried all kinds of attempts to try to stop this administration from or, or bring the attention to the 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 heightened situation to this administration, but unfortunately, they won't listen. and uh, and unfortunately, we're going to have to. Uh, you know, I think it's I think it's the right thing to do to impeach him. Yes, sir. And I know a lot of people feel that way. And that's going to proceed to a full floor vote. 
I, I was pretty shocked at the um, audacity of his letter that he responded with. He, he's been given three chances to show up to Congress and testify in person. He has uh, evaded practically every time. This time he sent an eight-page letter, and he said something to the effect of, uh, these false accusations do not rattle me. The audacity of a statement like that, the, the flippant way in which he has responded to Republicans on Capitol Hill, I, it's a slap in the face to Americans who have been affected by illegal immigration. And I know a lot of those are in your very state and in your very district. Yeah, and it's a slap in the face to the Customs and Border Patrol agents who know, to, who know otherwise. They have come to testify in front of our committee in oversight. Uh, and we, we heard directly from the horse's mouth how the policies of Mayorkas and the Biden administration have undercut their, their ability to do their job. If you ask Border Patrol agents, they all the blame absolutely falls on the Biden administration and particularly on Mayorkas and his policy decisions. He has made dozens and dozens of executive orders. I mean, Biden has made dozens of executive orders that, and, and Mayorkas has carried them out that neuter our Customs and Border Patrol agents and, and make it very difficult for them to do their job. In fact, they basically are uh, they're relegated to being the people that are carrying the bags, helping people as they're violating the law and crossing the border. That's right. And, sir, I want to ask you about the terrorist aspect of this because we, we can't ignore it. I know that you put out a tweet and you kind of outlined some of the numbers pertaining to what's happened at the border uh, in December. There were 19. Uh, folks at the border who were apprehended who are on the terror watch list. And at a time when we are seeing uh, conflict with one of our greatest allies, Israel, uh, in conflict with Iran, Hamas, the Houthis, however you want to categorize all of them, uh, and, and also at a time when our relationship with China is very shaky. You've got FBI Director Ray out there talking about how he's worried that Chinese hackers are going to attack our infrastructure, our, our oil pipelines, our, uh, our electrical grid all of this critical infrastructure. And I just keep thinking to myself, well, we had a 700% increase in Chinese nationals coming across our southern border. If there really was concern on the part of someone like Secretary Mayorkas, wouldn't they be closing it down if for no other reason, just for the aspect of terrorism? Yeah, yes, you would think. And look, the, the amount of fentanyl that's coming across our border and killing thousands of Americans every day, it should be enough. Um, but the, and the Chinese government is fully involved in this. We now, I was at just in a meeting earlier today where we learned that, uh, that there are encampments, there's staging areas for Chinese nationals who are, are coming through and, and immigrating illegally into the United States. Um, in, in addition, there are places where they, that they're staging in, in Mexico. There, there's so many uh, Chinese nationals in Mexico that a lot of the stores are putting up um, Chinese language or interpret you know translations um, so that they can read it. But what they're what they're doing is they're helping to launder money for the cartels and for the this really this Chinese criminal syndicate. Yeah, I mean it, it's pitiful. Um, I wanted to ask you about something with respect to the way that they are housing these illegal immigrants, because we have seen uh, te uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis sending these illegals elsewhere in the United States, because let's face it, so many of these border areas, they just don't have the ability to house all of these people. And when you think about the the conventional definition of a concentration camp, you know, we have this colloquial idea of what a concentration camp is because of World War II. But a concentration camp is just where you have a concentrated body of people. And when you see these, these processing stations that you were just talking about, these areas in Chicago and New York and even here in Los Angeles, aren't those concentration camps? Yeah, and it's disturbing um, that, that we're throwing resources at, at this situation. What every, every dollar that we spend to provide food and shelter and aid is just a magnet to, to make it easier for people to come here and violate our laws. Um, you, look, there's, there's an aspect of being, being charitable and being Christian, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm a Christian, but you know, I don't remember that the Good Samaritan took the injured individual into his home. He took him and, made, and paid his bills so that he could, he could be taken care of somewhere else. There's a lot of Americans who are charitable, and they, and they donate 
to, uh, to individuals in other countries all the time, and, and that's a great thing. But when they're coming here, and it's not charity, it's forced charity through your tax dollars, and people are taking advantage of that, that has got to stop. Yeah, I mean, that's not willful charity. That's, that's theft by the government. And I think you're absolutely spot on with that. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about what's happening on Oversight Committee, because we've got Hunter Biden, who's coming on, what, February 28th, the last day of the month, unless it's a hump, hump year uh, or a leap year. Uh, and then you've also got a week before that, you're going to have Joe Biden's brother, James Biden. Uh, James Biden, I believe, if I remember correctly, he was the last stop before that $40,000 went from he and Sarah Biden to uh, 10% for the big guy, the 40000 for Joe Biden. What do you expect to ask from him and what do you need to know from him to use that in your questioning with Hunter Biden? That's a good question. Yeah, I want to know why they took out cash. Um, that would be mm. one of the first questions I ask. I would also like to understand some of the transactions that 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 have uh, that they've been made. I want to ask about the two hundred thousand dollar check that was sent from the AmeriCorps healthcare, um, the the hospital chain that went defunct, that uh, that Jim Biden was involved with. Why did two hundred thousand of those dollars end up in the hands of his brother Joe Biden? I also want to know what is the you know all of these are written as a quote unquote loan repayment, but where where's the loan document? Where, where was the or, or origin money and the interest payments for for this for this loan? And and I and I have a feeling that there is no proof or evidence of any kind of uh, any origination of these loans. I think that they're just trying to skirt taxation. I think you're right. And and sir, um, the last time we had you on, you revealed. Another reason that you are uniquely qualified to be investigating and gleaning a lot of this information, and that's because I think you said you were an inform uh, a former investment advisor. And something that stuck out to you in the SARS reports was what appeared to be overly funding, I think they were whole life insurance policies, which is a way to kind of mask money. You pour money into that, you withdraw it, and it's not taxable. Is that, is that a thread that you're still tugging on? Yes, it is a thread that we're still tugging on. I think that uh, the Oversight Committee can, you know, has got a lot on their plate, and they're focused on these in, these um, interrogations um, or these um, depositions. And so, but hopefully, one of those questions that will be asked is about some of these insurance policy payments that were being made. Okie dokie, that's going to wrap things up for us today. I've got a few stories that I'm going to keep my eyes on that I'll bring you tomorrow, so make sure to tune back in for that. But before we go, one more quick but important news item you can find over at Just the News. There is a bipartisan election integrity watchdog group. Yes, bipartisan, because Democrats used to care about election integrity. This group is called Honest Elections Project, and it did an extensive study and released a 14-item report. These are best practices, recommendations for election reforms that states should enact to protect the integrity of their elections. Among their rec recommendations, some of the, the most obvious ones that we've talked about frequently, ban ranked choice voting, block private money like the infamous Zuckbucks, require transparency and robust post-election audits of election processes and procedures, ban non-citizen voting in all elections, duh, consolidate election dates, maintain clean and accurate voter rolls, secure early and mail voting laws and locations, protect vulnerable mail ballots, require voter ID for every ballot, and of course, if things go haywire, investigate and prosecute election crimes. All pretty common sense provisions. So keep an eye on that. That's over on justthenews.com and make sure you stay on top of all of these stories at justthenews.com. And have no fear, John Solomon is going to be back in the podcasting seat next week. But in the meantime, I've got a lot more news and some incredible guests teed up for you all the rest of the week. Everybody have a great rest of your Thursday and I'll be back tomorrow. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. 
You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey, folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800 200 G-O-L-D, gold. That's 800-200-GOLD. And find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. gold Or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family. 